Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program on this Wednesday morning. Thank you for joining us. You know the drill this morning. You can pick up the phone, give us a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, or text 0457-736-736. You're on SEN 1170am here in Sydney, wherever you tuned in via the SEN app. Thanks to Vossi and the Missile for setting the platform this morning. Plenty of talking points, obviously, with what's ahead of us uh, weather-wise. Maximum of 23 today and a shower or two around today and tomorrow. Then it gets sunny on Friday and hot, 28 degrees. It'll stay sunny and warm on Saturday. And then up she goes again on Sunday with a maximum temperature in the city around 34 degrees on grand final day. Today, we'll speak to Penrith Panthers Rugby League CEO Matt Cameron. We'll also check in up north on SENQ 693 with Mark Braybrook. And Gareth Hall will uh, take a bit of a preview at some of the big racing ahead. You can smell the money in the air. Plus, we'll crunch the numbers that show why Rugby Australia has a much bigger problem than the predicament that they've got currently with Eddie Jones. Stay tuned for that one. 0457 736 736 on the text line. 1300 1170 is the open line. It is Dally M Day. It's grand final week. Why, it's Webner's Day. He's the Chief Sports Writer at the Sydney Morning Herald. It's Wednesdays with Andrew Webster. <laughs> oh you like what I did there? Not particularly, but you go. Oh, oh come <laughs> no, on. It was great. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it had, really rolls good. off the tongue, Webnez Day. Webnez Day, doesn't it? Yeah. Good morning, mate. It sounds like a disease. Good morning, Maddie. Good morning, Maddie. Good morning, <laughs> listeners. Happy Grand Final Week, everybody. Yippee! Yay. A lot of people would think that there is a bit of a disease attached to that Wednesdays with Webby, but oh. we like it right here. We we love it. Um, now, Grand Final countdown, Dally M Day. Um, a fair bit going on, of course, over at the Rugby World Cup. You had a lot to say about that in your article yesterday, which was front page news, and I mm. um, read some of that to our listeners yesterday. So we'll get to that a little bit later. And also, as I said, I've crunched some numbers that have been done um, by the academics of the world that, that take a really deeper look. I mean, one of the issues around Rugby Australia at the moment, the, the big issue is what to do with Eddie Jones and the Wallabies. Then there's the, the fact, Webby, that a lot of people are saying, well, rugby's got a bigger problem and it's what's been going on, which is true also. The biggest problem that rugby's got is what's ahead of it, and the numbers are quite damning. So we'll get to that in just a sec. But the grand final countdown, how, how have you rated this one? We've got the rock-solid professional Panthers who have been on the on the page for so long and looking for three straight versus this devil-may-care attitude of the Brisbane Broncos who are at the big dance again. It is the grand final that we all deserve. The game deserves. Um, and that's no disrespect to the other teams and the eight. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's to be honest, I think the Broncos are the only teams that can upset Penrith and stop them from winning three straight. The first since those Parramatta teams in 80, 82 and 83. Um, they've certainly got the game to do it, the contrasting style to do it. Uh, whether Penrith can be shaken from their... Uh, their systems and shaken from their, uh, their, just how solid they are and how, 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 just how well they know each other's games is the big question, isn't it? But, um, holy hell, it's a, it's a, it's a great grand final. It is. It's an absolute ripper. And you know what I like to see when we got to Teamless Tuesday yesterday afternoon? We, we didn't have to worry about dramas at the judiciary. Um, nobody's been left out. Nobody's hobbling around at this stage, touch wood, with an injury, which is, you know, what you want to see. These guys play the game to win grand finals. And 
1 through 17 at the moment have got the opportunity to do that. But what did you make yesterday? I was on here, Webby, when we started to get news that Herbie Farnworth had had an injury. Then I got Joel Gould on the phone, who also said, guess what? Reese Walsh was down for eight minutes. Adam Reynolds had a knock on the knee and Payne Haas was wearing the non-contact um, bib for a while. And I went, holy cow, what's going on up there? I know. These are the worst injury scare stories ever, though, because then they all just, unlike, I went, oh, I can smell a typical Queensland smoke and yes. mirrors, a bit of a ruse, a ruse, <laughs> R-U-S-E. Um, R-U-S-E, ruse. Where you, a ruse, there you go, good pronunciation. Um, uh, but... They downplayed and it didn't seem like it's much in it at all. So every player's everyone's carrying niggles at this time of year. I'm carrying a couple myself. Mm. But I'll get well, through. It's been a long I'll year. get yeah, well I'll get through. I think I'll be all right grand final day, but um, yeah. limping to what, the line. What goes first in Webby's world? Calf. <laughs> 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 the right calf. Every time. Every time. Every time. Because when I go I'm gonna go train. I still train. Unfortunately I also eat and drink. That's the problem. Yeah. But when I train, I like to go a million miles an hour and end up hurting myself. And, yeah, so the, to quote the great Homer Simpson, the, the lesson here is don't try. <laughs> the Panthers, $1.64 favourites. Um, remember what you're really gambling with. $1.64 favourites for this one. And the Broncos, $2.27. I mean, really, there's not much in it. Are you okay with those numbers just from a pure betting point of view? Oh, absolutely. Particularly after I backed them at $7, the Broncos, <laughs> earlier in the year. Oi. <laughs> Gamble responsibly. Um, I uh, I think that's a fair a fair market to be honest. I think that's that's probably the difference. Uh, the only thing that worries me about Brisbane is just uh, I know they've got a lot of Origin and Australian players in that team, but just how some of those less experienced players handle a core eighty thousand people big game. It's like a it's it's a whole new game really, um, and whether they can handle their whether they can hold their nerve against a team like Penrith that doesn't make mistakes. Um, that's going to be a really big question for uh, for the Broncos, I think. What about when the Broncos do make mistakes? And if you go back to last week and Reese Walsh throws that pass and... Which um, one? Dallin the one? <laughs> Dallin... <laughs> we'll get to that in a sec. But Dallin Martini's a Lesniak's waiting for it. Bingo, off he goes. Those moments can change games and they can, they can suck the life out of a player's confidence and momentum. But the modern-day player, and it's not just Walsh, the modern-day player, Webby, forgets about it. One of the great hallmarks of, of very good athletes is to move on from your mistakes quickly. Yeah, I wouldn't and say the modern-day player, though. I'd say some players, like Walsh. The, the very good ones can do that. They like, I know I, I, I draw comparisons between – the more I watch uh, Reese Walsh, Matty, I just feel like I'm watching Billy Slater in a Broncos jumper. It just reminds me so much, particularly that, um, that preliminary, the way that he attacks the ball in the air, the way that he gets – it gets to the ball before it bounces like Billy used to. I don't know. Billy used to sit there and pour over video of uh, of opposition kickers and, and know their little subtleties and exactly where the ball was going to go. And it seems like Walsh, whether he does that, does that either instinctively or whether it's through re whether it's through pouring over video or not, he seems to he, he makes an attacking play off the first tackle when he, when he gets the ball. I just think that's that reminds me of Billy. But also when he goes wide and. Particularly when he goes to the left and goes and then and then scoots through the through a gap. He just he the way that he runs reminds me of Billy. But also Billy was exactly the same. Billy would make a mistake on the field, mm. and sometimes terrible mistakes. But then quickly have amnesia, as Cameron Smith used to call him. We call him Dory out of uh, Finding yeah. Nemo because he 
he had the uh, the 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 memory of a of a goldfish, and and Walsh was the same. He showed exactly that with the intercept on uh, on Saturday night. So, yeah, I think some players are definitely very they're yeah they're different. They're certainly built different. They don't um they don't uh, they don't dwell on mistakes like they used to. The good ones, the good ones don't. You love a good story. I mean, that's that's your life, telling stories. And when you look at this, like, let's just focus some some on of the them are actually true. <laughs> Let's just focus on the backs. You, you've just touched on the flair and, and the flash of Reese Walsh. And on the other side, you've got the workmanlike tradesmanship of Dylan Edwards, who should be in tradies boots out there and won the Clive Churchill medal last year and would, would be right up there in favouritism to win it again. You've got these great stories out on the wings. The, the centres from both teams are stories in themselves and we haven't even got to six and seven at the moment. So where do you see these incredible matchups or how do you see these incredible matchups leading to huge storylines in the back line? Well, uh, in the back line, I'm also going yep. to start talking about the forwards. Well, I know Dylan Edwards comes from uh, where same area where I grew up on the North coast. He went to the same school as me, Bellingen high school. And I hear stories. My nephews were in the, were at the, at the went to school the same time as he did. Dylan Edwards was always preparing for this moment. He was always like doing the hard yards every lunchtime, he'd be the only one out on the oval doing, doing laps, doing, uh, uh, just doing four hundreds. When he got to the when he got to Penrith, um, the first time he was doing, they 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 got him to train with the first grade squad, and he was doing four hundreds, um, and nobody in that club could keep up with him. This is when he first started there, and and his work ethic and his ability and his endurance and his speed were all hallmarks of uh, of his game that, that the Panthers loved. And to see him now, you know, arguably the premier fullback alongside Reese Walsh in so many different ways in the game is um, is testament to to uh, to how he, uh, to his work ethic, really. Hmm. So the forwards then. Matty Johns and I had a good discussion about the forwards. And when you start, you know, sizing them up, and this is where the genuine head-to-head battles occur, um, Leota and James Fisher-Harris, Thomas Flegler and Payne Haas. In between them, you've got Mitch Kenny and Billy Walters. Um, then you look to Patrick Carrigan and Isaiah Yo, Liam Martin. I mean, <laughs> th- this is where the, the grand final could well and truly be determined. I think that's um, the way that both of them, the way that they get quick, like they get quick momentum through the middle of the field. Um, that really has stood out for me the last few weeks. Just the way that that uh, Haas Haas goes goes bang, and then straight off the back of that, it's Carrigan. Um, uh, you saw Penrith's second try, I think it was uh, last weekend. Fisher Harris steaming through the through the middle of the field, um, quick pl- very lightning quick play the ball for a guy that's enormous. Uh, Yo, then to uh, to uh, uh, to Moses. And then they score off the back of that. Like I just think they do. Both teams do so much through the middle at pace. It's like at some point, it's I, I reckon it'll come down to fitness, just to see who gasses out the earliest and either at the end of each half. I reckon it's it could be one for the ages. I'm I'm flipping and flopping a little bit on my selection, um, and I, the good thing is I've got a few more days on here yet before I have to get one. But I, I'm actually leaning towards the Broncos. We asked yesterday, you're a Dragons fan, I'm a Seagulls fan, so we don't have a dog in this fight. If you if you take off, I don't know if you can, but if you can take off your your professional hat, your work hat, and and everything like that, if you're just sitting down as Webby on Sunday and you're just watching it, you and Stevie all cuddling up on the lounge. 
who would you be picking for the dog in the fight there? Oh, that's a good question. I well, look, um, I, I, I'm, I'd be happy. I'm gonna. I was actually talking to someone about this earlier today. I'm happy with either side. I love history. I love dynasties. I love a professional team being rewarded for the hard work and the and the standards they set. So if Pen, I would love to see Penrith win. I love to say that I was I, I covered and and watched and was there when they won a third premiership because it could be a long time before we see it again. Then again, I love the Broncos, the way that they have bounced back. I love what Kevin Walters has done in three years. People forget at the start of this year he was coaching for his career and for him to bounce back and, and, and lead them to a grand final and to see all these young blokes coming through and also the fact that they play the game the way they should the game should be played. It's so fascinating to watch um, what they've done this season. So I, I don't have any. I, I, I'm happy with either result, Matty. I really am. Then the again, referee, as I said, I did back the Broncos at seven dollars. Seven dollars. Yeah, I know where you you'll be going. Where your wallet is. The referee will be Adam G. Uh, his first grand final. So congratulations to him. Two hundred and thirty-six NRL games. So we'll have Chris Sutton and Dave Munro running the sidelines as touchies and Ashley Klein in the bunker there. Uh, I had a text saying, did the touchies get the boot from the Broncos games? Uh, game? Surely they're not doing the grand final. No, uh, the touch judges that day were Phil Henderson and Drew Altram. So, no, but the focus is going to be on Adam G. And good reward for a solid season. He has had a solemn, solid season. Um, uh, let's hope the focus isn't on Adam G at all. Let's hope we're not talking about... Bunkers and forward passes and mistakes that have been made by match officials. Um, that's the last thing we want to be talking about. But Adam G has been uh, is a, is a solid ref, and he, you're right. He has been he's been a quality ref throughout the year. It doesn't matter what referee you get, Matty. People are going to whinge and say that they, that either side didn't get the the fair rub of the green. But that's the obsession that we have in this sport with uh, match officials. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I would love nothing more than to get here on Monday morning and, and sit down and not be talking about uh, a big decision that's gone either way. But look, it, it may well turn out that way. But I, I send my congratulations to Adam G. It's a big thing. You know, refereeing a grand final is a is the biggest of big stages that you can get in this game. And, and he's got that opportunity on Sunday. Belinda Sharp will be in charge of the NRLW grand final between the Knights and the Gold Coast Titans. The weather could be a factor. Have you heard anything around that? I mean, 34 degrees on Sunday is the maximum for the city. So, it, look, it's going to be hot. Um, it may play into the women's game more than the men's for a 7.30 start. But they've got a little bit of flexibility in between what is quite a regimented day. It is, but obviously they have the, the, the warm weather protocols where if it reaches a certain a certain uh, temperature that they'll get extra breaks, more, more, more alcohol, more water. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you do wow, have your gee, day plan. God, you. No, I don't. <laughs> That's because I haven't had a beer for so long. I actually, it's on the brain. <laughs> what a professional. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. More Golden Gatorades for uh, for the women's players if it gets too hot out there. Yeah, there there is a bit of flexibility, a little bit of flexibility, and I, and I think that the heat um, won't be an issue. Hopefully, won't be an issue by the time we get to uh, seven thirty at night. So there you go. That's a good breakdown of the grand final ahead of us. Uh, we'll touch on the Dalian Medal, of course, tonight. Coach of the Year is an interesting one. Player of the Year also. What, where does suspension sit in your mind and stories of past nights? It'll be at Royal Ramwick 
this evening. Uh, plus, we'll take a look at Rugby Australia and the issue of forward passes. We'll touch on that as well. It's approaching 20 minutes after nine right here on SEN. Stick around. Welcome back. 25 minutes after nine on this Wednesday morning. So Dally M Awards tonight at Royal Randwick Webby. Uh, I haven't been to the Dally M as far as I can remember it. If I had, what? it was either so long. It was either so long ago, or I was, uh, or I don't remember it for obvious reasons. But no, I don't, I don't have any Dally M medal stories. Mainly, I was always working. I think. Yeah, I've got stories, none of which can yeah. be repeated on the family no. network. Like, <laughs> but but I have said on uh, Morning Glory before how Buzz. Uh, try to fight me at one. Really? Mm. Yeah. How'd you go? What what got on? Just laughed at Right. So stand aside. Get out of the way. <laughs> Trying to get to the bar, you silly old man. <laughs> <laughs> was that what it was about? Getting to the bar? No, I, it's the first time I've met Buzz, and now we're like thick as thieves. Yeah. Sledging each other from... <laughs> <laughs> via yeah, text well, and, tw- and, and Twitter. Um But it, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a great night. It's a great night for the players to let their hair down and... Um, it's uh, it's obviously grown with the NRLW now also uh, part of the evening, but it's a uh, you know it's a it's a it's a great night. I don't I haven't gone for a few years, Matty. I just uh, I'm not a function guy. I'm not a function guy at all. No, I I I'm actually am with you on that too. I'm not an awards night guy. I end up doing a lot of those you know as a hosting role in my profession, obviously, and um, I don't mind doing them, but I view them as work nights. But um, some important awards tonight. I'm certainly not dissing on the medal because it's a very, very important medal. So which way do you, before I actually ask you tips, what do you think about the whole thing about going behind closed doors now after round 12? I like it. Do you? Well, yeah, it's mystique. Hmm. Well, do you want it just to be open so we, what, so we know, so we know, know in advance who's going to win it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'd like to have a clearer idea. I used to, when, when I worked at the Daily Telegraph for five years, I was the Daily M reporter. So um, I would get all the results on the morning of the of the, uh, of the the awards ceremony, then write all the copy. And then as people walked out, they would get a copy of the, a printed version of the Daily Telegraph with all the, all the stories in there. Right. Yeah. So you knew. So I knew. I knew. I knew. Um, but I liked the end. I liked the... The, um, the count and how it goes. Yeah, and they brought it into yeah. very much like the Brownlow, where you know you see the the votes polling as you go. I think that's, I think it's been, I think, and I don't mind the broadcast. I think, uh, I think Fox have done a good job in the way that they uh, they package it up and present it. What about suspensions ruling out players? Have have they got that system right? And players being docked points for, um, say, a week out. Have they got that right, or is it a double whammy if you if you're getting you know, if you're copying three weeks for something and then ruled out of the Dally M, I think that's fair enough. I think that's twice. fair enough. It's a best and fairest award. Best and fairest, yeah. And, yeah. I, don't, and I think, yeah. and that's always been the case. I don't think, I think the the Dally M's have been going for too long now. I don't think that they should should alter that um, and change change the goalposts, move the goalposts. I don't think that should happen at all. Um, but I'm sure Reese Walsh will have his day, and I think Reese Walsh learnt from his suspension. You know, I think he, I think he's an infinitely better player in the way that he carries himself on the field because of that suspension. And, um, you know, he's got a chance next year to win it again. Just don't yep. Just don't swear at the ref. 
No, fair enough. Fair enough about that. It's been an interesting sort of back and forth. So, coach of the year is going to be going to be one that'll be um, hotly contested mm. tonight. I'll be Not speaking with Matt Cameron. Yeah, I'll be speaking with Matt Cameron a bit later in the program. The Panthers Rugby League CEO, and he's had a bit to say this morning about that, um, and makes some very good points around Ivan. So it's an interesting one too, isn't it? You know, uh, Ivan's Ivan's skill at keeping this team up and delivering what they've been able to deliver year in, year out, because it's very hard when you get to the top of the mountain versus Kevy's ability to get the Broncos where they are versus Andrew Webster's ability at the Warriors to turn that ship right around. Three very different storylines for three very, and they're just three, three very different contenders. I'd be more than, I said this on the footy show on Sunday, Matt, I'd be more than happy for any three of those coaches. They all deserve it equally. I'd be happy for them to split it three ways and hand over the award. Um, I, I just like Andrew Webster because of where they came from. I have saw Paul, Paul Gallen's comments in the last couple of days saying that it's not a most improved award. Well, it's also not an award that you give it to whoever wins the minor premiership. That's not how it works. I just think what Andrew Webster walked into, a team that came second last, a team that had been on the road for the best part of two and a half years, it didn't touch the squad at all. And he just coached the bejesus out of that side and got them within one game of a premiership. Turn Sean Johnson's game around. He's got all of New Zealand in love with rugby league ahead of rugby union. To me, that's a pretty compelling argument. Then again, as I said, uh, Kevin Walters was coaching for his uh, his life at the start of this year. He finally got the Broncos to um, to within one game of a premiership. That's, that's not easily done. And then there's Ivan. How the hell Ivan has managed to just keep his whole squad focused for the best part of four years, four grand finals in a row, looking at um, looking at a third premiership in a row? That's that's um, that's pretty hard to uh, pretty hard to ignore too. So as I said, flip a coin, and uh, I'd be happy. And then of course there's player of the year. I'll get your thoughts straight after the news. Just left him hanging there, Webby, about the Dalian uh, player what? of the year, the what? ultimate. Tease. And you are. What a what a what a veteran broadcaster you are. <laughs> no, I had a. What's it called? Is that a tease and hook? Is that what it's called? Well, yeah, essentially a tease. Now now comes the big delivery. <laughs> so it's over to you, Sean Johnson. <laughs> Sean Johnson, you reckon yes. he gets it tonight? Yep, I think so. It seems like I, I don't know who who knows with the Dallium. It's a. Uh, Always hard to. There's always a. There's always a little bit of a quirk there somewhere, unless there's been a yeah. real standout performer. But Sean Johnson, uh, he, I think he's been the most consistent all year, and it's always. Um, it usually comes to a. It usually falls to a playmaker. I'd like to see Payne Huss up there this year. Well, he was. He was, he was leading yeah, he after was up there. they went well, yeah, when they yeah. went behind closed doors at round twelve, he was on thirty points, but he gets a few points docked. He'll lose six points um because of the one match suspension. So we can we can take him back to twenty four, mm. which would have put Nathan Cleary in charge or at the top of the leaderboard then. And it's interesting that Sean Johnson on twenty two points after round twelve, the same amount of points as Dylan Edwards, somebody we've spoken about again this morning when they went behind uh, closed doors, the the betting, oh sorry, the the voting there. So a little bit of a different twist this year with the six points available as well. So I get the feeling too that there might be a bit of a quirk along the way. Yeah, it's it's tricky though. Like I, I, this happened with Melbourne a lot because you had three dominant players, Cronk, uh, Smith, and uh, and Slater. So they sort of cannibalised each other's Dalian points because yeah. they were all always so strong. 
Um, but for Johnson, I think he, he's he been the standout player in that team and they've gone so well this year and won a lot of games. So I, I'm assuming he'll win it. Um, then again, I may be wrong. Would not be the first time. Very rare, we've had, but might be the first time. We've had joint winners of the Dally M twice, isn't it? Jared Hayne and Jonathan Thurston in 14 and Cooper and Jason Tamalolo in 2016. I wonder if that might be the quirk Ooh, tonight. That could be it. And they break the middle in half. <laughs> You've always got an answer, don't you? Oh, Do you have an answer to forward passes, <laughs> Webby? We, we've had a, a pretty robust yeah, break the debate. ball in half. <laughs> break the ball in half, yeah, and then it won't go forward. But we've 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 had a, a very solid debate um, over the last couple of days about this, and and ultimately ultimately I should say it comes down to essentially whether you want to go on the technological side of this or stick with the human side of this. Mm. I, well, I made this argument on the footy show on Sunday as well. I think I don't like the forward pass, the, 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 the chip, the microchip in the ball technology. I know uh, the NRL have looked at it numerous times and I just think they put it, they put it in the, once again this year, they put it in the too hard basket. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, I do though think the game has gone so fast. People are like... People are getting ripping into the touch judge for not keeping up with the play. You keep up with Reese Walsh, seriously. Like honestly, I, I get I get that the match officials should pick up a pass that's two hundred meters forward. I get that, but the game as a whole has become so quick, and it it's got, it's gone past match officials. I, I wouldn't be um, adverse to the idea of two referees coming back, to Ooh. be honest, because the game moves so quickly. Um, but in terms of try scoring situations, I think the refer- I think the bunker should be able to make a call on that. It makes a call on everything else uh, in the lead up to a try, or in, just in that play in the lead up to a try. So I don't know why it shouldn't be used for forward passes. I, the argument is that it's it, the TV doesn't give an accurate reflection of uh, of the ball and whether it's coming out of the how it's coming out of the hands. Um, and whether it's floated forward. The thing is, though, there's that many camera angles these days that it's high-definition television. I've been in the bunker, like, honestly, it's like Mr Burns, Look, you know, when he's looking at the casino, all those mm. TV monitors, that's what it's like, <laughs> basically. There's just It's a monitor-a-thon. So yeah. there's all this technology there. I think they should be able to use it for try-scoring situations, and that's it. I've I actually, But I've actually, recant- I've actually was so against it for so long, but now I just think... You know, I've just said to myself, Matty, stop the fight. Stop the fight, <laughs> Webbo. Use technology, embrace it. Well, I, you know, we spent three hours on this yesterday with my listeners going back and forth. And, and essentially, I said, just just come up with an answer if you think you've got one. You know, let's just see if we can. And, and we had everything, mate. Drones, the lot. Bunker, Drones. Yeah, <laughs> the lot. I'm talking everything, right? So, which was great. And this is what you want. I think one of the things about this is that when we say technology, everybody instantly goes, chips, um, into the bunker, whatever you think. Whereas I think that there might even be an avenue here to simplify that. Technology means, why don't we have somebody standing there watching the box like we're watching the box? It doesn't need to be in a bunker with 100 cameras, with 100 monitors. Just simplify the technology. I I wonder whether there's something in that. And I like the fact that the league are going to look at it. I'm huge in sport of, yes, you have to wear human error. Because regardless of whether you introduce technology, there's still a human driving that. So we have to wear those. Um, but I also think that the league has to put some pretty hard and fast rules around 
how they're going to make those judgments. And at the moment, I don't think those rules help the game when you have howlers like that last weekend, yet we can break down to the nth degree whether a ball is on the line or not. I agree. There's somewhere in between. I don't know what it is, but there's somewhere in between. You had a a, a very good article yesterday and a piece in the Sydney Morning Herald on Eddie Jones and the Rugby Australia it's a train wreck at the moment. So I'm, I'm not using your words, but I'm paraphrasing here, but it is a bit of a train wreck. And I've, I've dug a bit deeper into this one. And later on in the program, I'll, I'll show um, the disparity that exists between rugby in this country and the codes that they're going up against, AFL and NRL in particular. And what it shows is you've got two codes going gangbusters and you've got one that's imploding. You've got two that are thriving and one that is barely surviving. They've got... A problem at the moment, which is more of a predicament, in my opinion, around Eddie Jones, but they've got a serious problem about what's ahead of them. And the numbers are damning because we're beyond every measurement. And I'm talking grassroots, ability to attract players, money for players, revenue from broadcast, revenue overall, the state of the women's game. On every measurement, rugby is falling behind in this country. And on every measurement, their rivals are streeting the field. That, and that's where the problem lies. It, it is. But in fairness, it's been like that for more than a decade. And that's the disappointing thing about Eddie. Because when Eddie came in, he was going to help lead the revolution to help rugby bring, get, get, back, get, get, back on a, get back on the horse. Um, Dave Rennie had mediocre results, although one reader took umbrage to me saying that uh, in that column yesterday and uh, slammed him with an email calling me a delusional fool. You delusional fool. He didn't have mediocre results. Then again, 38% win-loss record. If that's, uh, if that's not uh, mediocre, then I don't know what is. Yeah, 38%. That's uh, a future super coach uh, there, isn't it? 38. Um, uh, but Eddie was going to be, you know, because he had skin in the game. He was a blast from the past. He was an eccentric old little golem that we loved who was going to, you know, stir things up in the press. But he also had such a hard edge to him. Um, we were gonna, we, we were hopeful of of a, of a semi final uh, at this World Cup, but we were really gonna build for the Lions in twenty five. Then we we're gonna build for for twenty twenty seven here on home soil. Uh, we, they'd got Swalee from the Roosters. They had a, drew up a hit list. Hamish McLennan, the chairman, was prancing around saying, "I've got hit list. We're gonna go up to this league player. We're gonna get this league player." Within nine months, he'd already been in. He was interviewing for a job to go to Japan next year. It is one of the biggest face plants from a sport I can actually remember in a very long time. And you're right. It's like rugby's been having an existential crisis in this country for more than a decade. And the fact that uh, that the big great white hope, which was going to be McLennan, private equity, which is now off the table apparently, and Eddie Jones is all falling in a heap. It's pretty dire. Off the field with the selection of Eddie Jones, Rugby Australia got what they wanted, which was noise and the hype. And the fight. And love Eddie loves the noise and the hype and the fight. And he, he's picked plenty. On the field, fans deliver, want a delivery of some form of results and not meek um, backdoor exits from a Rugby World Cup at the earliest stage that we've got. None of this, in my opinion, sits on the players. The players don't go out there and not try. But there's a clear and evident problem that faces them right now. But a much, much, much bigger problem that faces them in the future. And it's sad to see the state of decline. I can't keep um, overlooking the fact that 
Eddie, and he does everything for a reason, in my opinion, got it horribly wrong when he picked the fight that he picked at the airport before he went out because it was a different style of fight. It's all designed to take the heat off the players and all that kind of stuff, and we've seen it a million times. But he was questioning the professionalism of those in front of him, and those in front of him, because they're humans and professionals, didn't need another reason to wait for him to trip over. And unfortunately, the trip has been spectacular, and the face plant that you said is, is spot on, and it's come with the fact that he's been interviewing for the job at Japan. Well, it's an absolute mess, and I don't know how they get out of it. I don't, look, if he wants to pick fights with journos, that's fine, but I know for a fact that some Rugby Australia officials were horrified with how he bef- behaved at that, uh, at that airport doorstop because, <laughs> Matty, it's hard to get journos to cover the sport. It's hard to get it's hard to get visibility in Australian rugby at the moment because it's become so irrelevant. Um, and he's picking a fight with reporters who have um, been there covering the game for some time and 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 keeping the fire burning, so to speak. Um, but for mine, he wasn't when he was arguing with the with the press that day. It wasn't the old diversionary tactic of trying to take focus and and scrutiny off the players. He was taking scrutiny off himself. For the fact that he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be tied down on on why he didn't pick Michael Hooper or Quade Cooper. Yeah, those questions are being asked pretty heartily in the last couple of days. Now that we're going to exit uh, the World Cup in the pool stage, it's um, so yeah. And and I thought I thought it was really telling the way that that Eddie would not answer. We, we like if if that story was wrong. So this story was written was broken by my colleague Tom decent people think it was pretty evil of him to break it on the day of the game i can assure you that that story had been worked on for some time and it's just the way that it happened it's just the, it's just the way that it rolled out we're not in the business of getting beaten by the opposition and and we had to break that story when we did um but the way that eddie responded to it in that press conference after the game is like I don't know what you're talking about, mate. If that story was incorrect, I would expect Eddie Jones to do what he did at the airport that day and come off the long, off, off, the, off the long run, off the and long he didn't. Run. Yeah. Like I've said, I think rugby has a predicament with their coach at the moment, but they've got a much more perilous problem with the situation that they're in as a game. We've got to let you go. So just finally, your winner for the grand final on Sunday night. Oh, look, I don't say it with any confidence, but I just think Penrith just. Penrith, Penrith by just, just. By two, four. Three. Okay, two or four, whatever. Take your pick. Yeah. First try scorer. Oh, I'll go. I like a bit of value. I'm going to say Isaiah Yo. How's that for a bit of value? Nice. Mm. And Clive Churchill, medalist. Uh, I'll say Nathan. Nathan Cleary to win. Mm. Good on you, mate. Enjoy the rest of Grand Final weekend. Dallyms tonight. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your Grand and- Final. Andrew Webster there. We'll take a break and come back and take your calls. Jason's on the line, so just hold on for me, Jason. I've got to do this ad break, and then I'll take your call after this.